well, there's a story told. We're going to go ahead and get started. There's a story told of a kindergarten teacher who was helping one of, our, one of her students put on his cowboy boots. He'd asked for her help, and she could see why. Because even with him pulling and pushing, these little boots just didn't want to go on. By the time they got the second boot on, she had worked up quite a sweat. Once they're on, the little boy looked at her and said, Teacher, they're on the wrong feet. She looked, and sure enough, they were on the wrong feet. So she wrestled them off, she flips them around, and she puts them back on, this time on the right feet. Once she got them on correctly, the little boy looks at her and says, Teacher, those aren't my boots. Now she's a bit frustrated, but she bit her tongue. She wanted to scream at the little boy, Why didn't you say so? But once again, she, she struggles to, to take him, take the tight-fitting boots off of his little feet. No sooner had she gotten the boots off his feet, the little boy said, they're my brother's boots. My mom made me wear them. <laughs> now the teacher at this point didn't know if she should laugh or cry, but she mustered up the grace and the courage she had left to wrestle the boots on his feet one more time. Helping him do his, into his coat, she asked, now where are your mittens? And he said, I stuffed them in the toes of my boots. <laughs> well, there you go. That's for all the teachers out there. If you teach God, bless you. Well, we're in our, we are in our second week of our series called Closer. And last week we kicked this, or uh, yeah, last week we kicked this series off talking about the importance of prayer and fasting. I challenged you for the first 40 days of this year to fast and to pray. We are on day two. How's it going? We're almost done, so just hang on. <laughs> well, if you were here, it shouldn't be difficult yet. Usually it doesn't get difficult until day 8 to 10, and then it starts getting tough. But if you were here last week, um, we had the prayer and fasting cards in the seats and out in the lobby on a table right next to the hub. And so if, if you weren't here last week, I encourage you to fill out a prayer, whatever you're believing God for this year. So if you didn't give a have a chance to do this last week, before you leave, there's a table right next to the hub. Take a moment and fill, take a prayer and fasting card, but also take a moment to fill out my prayer for 2022 and then put that in the glass container so our, our team can be praying with you and for you for your miracle. I'm going to, this morning I'm going to continue the thought from last week by teaching you a very powerful word, truth, from the word of God that I actually learned years ago. This is one of those truths that has, you know, that we, we hear, hear different messages throughout the years and, and different things, but this is one of those truths that I heard years ago that has radically impacted me and, and really transformed my life. And I don't believe I have ever spoke on this truth here in Green Bay yet. At least I don't remember anyway. Maybe bits and pieces, but I don't believe I've ever done a full message on this particular truth. So if you have your Bible or Bible app, go ahead and turn to the book of 1 Kings chapter 3 and verse number 1. 1 Kings chapter 3 and verse 1. If you don't have your Bible or Bible app, you can follow along up on the screens. This is a story of a man, of a king by the name of Solomon. So here we go, verse number one. Solomon made an alliance with Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and married one of his daughters. He brought her to live in the city of David until he could finish building his palace and the temple of the Lord and the wall around the city. At that time, the people of Israel sacrificed their offerings at local places of worship for a temple honoring the name of the Lord had not yet been built. Solomon 
loved of the Lord and followed all the decrees of his father David, except that Solomon too offered sacrifices and burned incense at the local places of worship. Verse 4, the most important of these places of worship was Gibeon. So the king went there and he sacrificed 1,000 burnt offerings. Verse 5, that night the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream and, and God said, what do you want? Ask and I will give it to you. Solomon replied, you showed great and faithful love to your servant, my father, David, because he was honest and true and faithful to you. And you've continued to show this, this great and faithful love to him today by giving him a son to sit on the throne. Now, O Lord, my God, you have made me king instead of my father, David, but I'm like a little child who doesn't know my way around. And here I am in the midst of your own chosen people, a nation so great and numerous they cannot be counted. So give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well and I know the difference between right and wrong for who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours. Verse 10, the Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for wisdom. So God replied, because you asked for wisdom in governing my people with justice and you did not ask for a long life or the death of your enemies, I will give you what you have asked for. I will give you a wise and understanding heart such as no one else ever has or ever will have. And I will give you what you did not ask for, riches and fame. No other king in all the world will be compared to you for the rest of your life. And if you follow me and you obey my decrees and my commands as your father David did, I will give you a long life. I'm calling this message this morning Uncommon. Father, for the next few moments, I ask that you would give me the mind of Christ as I attempt to the best of my ability to, to deliver this powerful truth that I believe God is going to, that there's going to be some people in here that are going to grab a hold of this, and just like it changed me, it's going to change them. They're going to see things differently. They're going to see you differently. And so, God, I just ask today, if you don't anoint this message, these words will fall flat. They will be meaningless. But, God, if you anoint this these words will change lives. And so that's my prayer today in Jesus' name. Amen. I've been preaching the gospel now for more than 20 years. I started in my early 20s and I'm 45 now. I know I look like I'm 29, but I'm 45. Shortly after I got started, I began to notice that there were some people that were accomplishing great things for the kingdom of God and God was mighty, moving mightily within their ministry and within their life. And I noticed that there was other people that just seemed to creep by. You've probably noticed this as well. We see this within churches. Some churches rise up and they do a great work for the glory and for the power of God. And they bring transformation to their city. But yet there's other churches that the neighbors don't even know they exist. This revelation baffled me for the longest time because we've all, we all have the, light, the same life-giving message. We all serve the same God. I am no different than you. The same God that has anointed and blessed me is the same God that wants to anoint and to bless you. There is no difference between you and I. So I began to study the lives of certain individuals that had changed their cities for the glory of God. I know that God does not play favorites, so I knew that these people that did great things for God were no different than me. 
I knew that whatever special anointing was available to them was also available to me. And so I began to study the people of the Bible that did great things for God. And I began to study the modern day people that have done great things for God. And I found something very interesting. In every one of these people, you'll see the same thing. You will see that they did something uncommon for God. And this is a truth that is throughout the entire Bible. Both the Old and the New Testament. As a matter of fact, I have never seen a person that just goes along and does what they normally do or they do what everybody else is doing. It's just business as usual and God moves mightily in their life. Rather, the hand of God moves in the lives of those people that do things that are uncommon. Listen to me. If you leave this room this morning and you keep doing what you usually do, you're just going to have an extension of what you already have. But if you leave this place today and you choose to move into the uncommon, you will move into the supernatural. If you move into the uncommon, then you're going to move into the realm where God works. You're going to move into miracle territory. You see, a lot of people don't seem to understand this, but God always responds to what we do. We call them conditional promises. Basically, God says, if you do this, I will do that. But first, you have to do this. For instance... Jesus tells us that we should ask and we shall receive, but we have to move first. We have to ask, and then God responds. Jesus said, knock, and the door will be opened up to you. We move first. We knock. Jesus didn't say the door is going to be opened. We have to knock. Jesus uh, said to give, and it will be given unto you. We move first. We give first. The Bible is filled with hundreds of places where God says, you move first, then I will respond. Are you understanding what I'm trying to say to you this morning? Because I believe that a lot of people expect God to do miracles in their life when they sit back and they do nothing. They pray, God, I need you to move in my life. God, I need a miracle in my life. And they do nothing. I had somebody ask me once, if you're playing checkers with God, would God cheat? Kind of an odd question. Of course, God's not going to cheat playing checkers. Well, he said, so many, I'll never forget this, he said, so many people are sitting around yelling, God, I need you to move in my life, and God's looking back at them and saying, it's not my turn. For many of us, the ball is in our court. It's in our court right now. The ball is in our hands, but we're wanting God to shoot the basket. Here in 1 Kings, which we read just a minute ago, we see God ask Solomon a question. Let's read that again, verse number 5. 1 Kings chapter 3 and verse 5 says, That night the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream, and God said, What do you want? Ask, and I will give it to you. Now imagine this for just a moment. The creator of the universe, the one that hung the stars and calls them by name, 
The one who holds the oceans in his hands, as we see in Isaiah. The one who measures the heavens with his comes to you and says, what do you want? Ask, and I will give it to you. It's yours. If that would happen, what would you say? What would you ask for? You see, typically when God speaks to us, he's asking us to do something for him. But here we see something different. God comes to Solomon and asks, Solomon, what can I do for you? Now this is important. When the creator of the universe comes to you and asks you that question, you are in miracle territory. You are in supernatural territory. But what happened for Solomon to get the attention of God in this way? Because again, God is no respecter of persons. He doesn't play favorites. God wasn't looking down and said, well, there's my guy Solomon. Boy, I love him so much more than anyone else. No, something happened that moved heaven and caused the creator of the universe to ask, tell me, what can I do for you? Let's look at it. Let's look at what Solomon does. Right before this, let's, let's see. And this is the great truth that's commonly overlooked in this story. 1 Kings 3, I'm going to read chapter two, or verse 2 again. 2, 3, and 4. At that time, the people of Israel sacrificed their offerings at the local places of worship. For a temple honoring the name of the Lord had not yet been built. Verse 3, Solomon loved the Lord. He followed all the decrees of his father David, except that Solomon too offered sacrifices and burnt incense at local places of worship. The most important of these places of worship was at Gibeon. So, the king went there and sacrificed 1,000 burnt offerings. Now, do you understand what he did? Let me explain to you what he did. At this time in history, altars were allowed in Israel at various high places as long as those altars were dedicated to God and they weren't corrupted by idolatry as we see in Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 21. When the temple was built, sacrifice was then centralized to the temple. So these high places up until that time were places of worship. This particular high place that's mentioned here in the story of Solomon, the one located at Gibeon, and here's a picture to give you an idea of what that would have looked like. Uh, this was where the tabernacle or the tent of meeting was actually located. This was the same tabernacle, ta- tabernacle that the children of Israel under Moses' leadership had constructed in the wilderness many years previously. Prior to the construction of the Jewish temple in, in, uh, in Jerusalem, The tabernacle was the place God had chosen for worship. So this particular high place was the same one that King David worshipped at. So on this day, people are at this high place. They're worshipping God. They're offering sacrifices unto Him. Now, common question, why were animal sacrifices allowed or encouraged at this time some of you may not know this and it's it's kind of an odd detail so let me briefly explain it to you so you can understand the sacrificial system God required animal sacrifices as a way to provide a temporary covering for sin animal sacrifice is an important theme found in the old testament Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 22 says this in fact according to the law of Moses Nearly everything was purified with blood, for without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. 
The penalty for sin is death. So in order to receive forgiveness for our sins, something has to die. Something has to pay the price for our sin. When Adam and Eve sinned, animals were killed by God to provide clothing. After the flood, Noah sacrificed animals to God. Now there were certain rules that had to be followed for these sacrifices. First of all, the animal had to be spotless. That means it had to be your best, not the runt of the litter. Second, the person offering the sacrifice had to identify with the animal. Third, the person offering the animal had to be the one to sacrifice it. When this was done in faith, so this was not an easy thing to do, but when this was done in faith, the sacrifice would provide a temporary covering of sins. Animal sacrifices ended when Jesus Christ came to earth and he became the final sacrifice which would cover all sin. John the Baptist recognized this when he seen Jesus coming to be baptized and he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is why Jesus was and is considered the Lamb of God because he died for our sins. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering of our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Through faith in what Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross, we can receive forgiveness for our sins. His sacrifice was the final sacrifice once and for all. So typically at this time, when people would visit these high places to seek forgiveness and worship God, they would bring one animal with them and sacrifice that animal unto God. Sometimes two, but most of the time they would bring one animal. That was usual, that was common. The animal had to be without blemish, so you might say that this sacrifice was a bit expensive to the family. It cost them something, but it was common for the people to worship in this way. This would be like today, and I did kind of give you a modern day comparison. This would be like coming to church regularly, giving tithe regularly, serving every now and then, reading your Bible a little bit each day, etc., etc. Basically, you're giving your time and your resources. This is pretty common. This is what the average Christian does. But remember, God responds to the uncommon. He responds to uncommon sacrifice. Common will not usher you into miracle territory. If it did, every Christian would be walking around in the supernatural, experiencing miracles in their life. Every church would be experiencing this as well, but they're not. Common sacrifice was one animal, but then here comes Solomon. Picture this for just a moment. Families are gathered here at Gibeon. One family steps up, puts their animal on the altar. Well, suddenly there's a rumble in the ground. They look up and they see a cloud of dust coming towards them. And here comes this man with not one offering, not ten, not even a hundred, but one thousand offerings. One thousand. Those standing in that place that day had never seen anything like this in their life. It was uncommon. And I'm sure the people standing there looked at Solomon thinking, what a fool. Look at him. He's a fanatic. 
Is he really going to give a sacrifice like that? Those are his best animals. He's going to destroy himself financially by giving that much. And God shows up and says, now tell me, Solomon, what can I do for you? Here's the thing. God never told Solomon to do that. There was something in the heart of Solomon that he wanted to honor God. He didn't just want to give to God. He wanted to give God above and beyond. He wanted to give God his best. Solomon could have just done the one sacrifice just like everybody else and called it a day. Let's just do the minimum requirements to serve God and get by. Can I tell you there are too many Christians doing just the bare minimum to get by. We need some Christians that are willing to stand up and do what is uncommon for the glory of God. Solomon could have just done the minimum. He could have just done what was common. But if he did, we would have never heard God say, tell me, Solomon, what can I do for you? It's only when you step out and sacrifice for God and do what is uncommon. And I have found that when we do the uncommon for God... He gives us the uncommon in return. Remember Jesus telling us that we will reap what we sow? I'm telling you this morning what what I am preaching to you today. I have seen this with my own eyes. I'm not preaching this by faith today. Some messages I have to preach by faith. But I have seen this with my own eyes. I have seen that when we sacrifice for the kingdom of God, I have seen that when we step out and we do the uncommon for God, I have seen that God responds in uncommon ways, but the first step is ours to take. Now watch this. God asked Solomon, Solomon, what can I do for you? Anything. Solomon asks for wisdom. Wisdom to govern the people. Solomon could have asked for anything. And he asks for something that's going to bless others. He doesn't ask for selfish things. He could have. God, make me rich. God, give me a nice home. God, give me a nice car. I guess in this day it would have been a camel. God, give me a nice camel. One that doesn't puke all over the place. I don't know. But he doesn't ask for any of that stuff. And God is so impressed that he doesn't just give him wisdom. He gives him wisdom beyond any man in the history of mankind. 1 Kings chapter 4 verse 29. God gave Solomon very great wisdom and understanding and knowledge as vast as the sands on the seashore. In fact, his wisdom exceeded that of all the wise men of the east and the wise men of Egypt. He was wiser than anyone else, including Ethan the uh, uh, Ezrite and the sons of Mahol, Heman, Kakol, and Darda. Sorry if I butcher those. His fame spread throughout all the surrounding nations. He composed some 3,000 proverbs and wrote 1,005 songs. He could speak with authority about all kinds of plants, from the greatest cedar of Lebanon to the tiny hyssop that grows from cracks in a wall. He could also speak about animals, birds, small creatures, and fish. And kings from every nation sent their ambassadors to listen to the wisdom of Solomon. But not only does God give him wisdom, he also gives him great wealth. He didn't ask for it. When Solomon gave the thousand offerings, we could look at that and we could say, what a fool. He gave away his wealth. You know how much that was? You know how much that was? The best of his flock is gone. God only requires one. 
But remember, you can't outgive God. And when you sacrifice in uncommon ways, God responds in uncommon ways. Two years later, we read this in 1 Kings chapter 8 and verse 62. Now watch this. Then the king and all Israel with him offered sacrifices to the Lord. Solomon offered to the Lord a peace offering of 22,000 cattle and 120,000 sheep and goats. And so the king and all the people of Israel dedicated the temple of the Lord. This sacrifice made that sacrifice of a thousand look pitily. 142,000 sacrifices. Uncommon. Miracle territory. Supernatural territory. I could give other examples. Noah building the ark was uncommon. But we tell his story today. Abraham left his home to follow the call of God. That was uncommon. Not many people will do that. Miracles followed. Moses left his comfort to return and to face the Pharaoh. That was uncommon. Miracles followed. We could go on. Doing the uncommon for God will put you in uncommon territory. And you will begin to see God do miracles in your life that others only talk about. When COVID hit, I've told the story, what we did was uncommon. We opened our doors seven days a week to hand out food. I still think back, about, back on that. I don't have a clue how we did it. The problem was we had no food to give away. Common was shutting our doors. We opened our doors. We gave away what we had. Some of you guys gave up your time. You came in every single night to hand out food. Some of you did deliveries of the 1,400 plus deliveries we did. It was an uncommon sacrifice for this church. It still is with all the food deliveries that we're getting in. But look at our pantry today. We have food coming out of our ears. This last week I had to do a Facebook post. We had so much food. Praise God that we have a walk-in freezer. It's called outside. Amen. Praise God. We have a food pantry in Wisconsin. That's all I'm going to say. And we had people just pouring into the parking lot on Thursday night. The more we give away, the more God blesses. But not only that, and these are things that many of you don't know, we needed a power washer. I I said, God, I'd like to have a power washer to clean the buses. Those can be expensive. God, we need a power washer. Well, lo and behold, the Costco truck pulls up one day. And in all of those boxes of food, guess what's on the side that they just happen to want to get rid of? A power washer. I was amazed. I said, God, we need some trash cans. You know, sometimes it's the simple things in life. God, I'd like to have some of them nice 55-gallon hard plastic trash cans. But, man, those are expensive. I think they're like 80 bucks a piece. And I'm not spending $80 a piece on trash cans. I'm not blowing $1,000 on trash cans. I'm kind of cheap. Just ask my wife. So we were using cardboard boxes for trash cans. God, it'd sure be nice to have some trash cans make our life a little bit easier. Well, you guessed, you guessed it. One day the Costco truck pulls up, and there are eight of those trash cans. Eight. And the things look brand new. God says, what do you need? Ask me, and I will give it to you. But this is what we've seen because we have decided to do, what not, do something that not everybody else is doing. We decided to do what is uncommon. So now, God, we could sure use a building in a prime location, maybe downtown, to expand this food pantry and to bless more people. That's what I'm asking for now, and it's going to take a miracle. 
but I have seen the hand of God move when you walk in the uncommon. The toy giveaway this year, biggest toy giveaway in our history. Hundreds of people gave their lives to Christ that day. Those giveaways are uncommon. It takes a lot to pull something like that off, but the favor that God has given us to be able to do that. I have always said that I don't want to be just another church taking up space on the corner lot. I want to be a church that if we would shut our doors, the city would feel it. And that's what we have become. And I believe we're only getting started. Our best days aren't behind us, church. They're in front of us. And I believe right now God is asking this church, just tell me, what can I do for you? Well, God, we need another building. God, we need that dream center to help the the hurting people here in our city. We need the uncommon. I want you to know that what we're doing right now through the 40 days of prayer and fasting is uncommon. Fasting for 40 days is uncommon. Some of you are in here this morning and you need to hear from God. You have a situation in your life and you need a miracle. You need answers for things in your life that only he has the answer to. Do something uncommon. Join this 40-day fast. It's not too late. Remember, if you were here last week, I talked about this. When I started the 40-day fast for the first time, I kicked and screamed. I fought God on it. I I didn't want to start. Finally, I gave up on the 3rd of January, which is tomorrow. Because I wrestled with God. Just extend it two days. Go to the 11th instead of the 9th. There's no right or wrong here. This is between you and God. I just want to encourage you to do something uncommon for God. Do something for God that you've never done before. Stretch yourself a bit. Because when you do something uncommon for God, He will respond in uncommon ways. But if you keep doing what you're already doing, you're going to keep getting the same results you've, already, you've always got. What if God came to you and He said, tell me, what can I do for you? What if this was the year that you did something uncommon for God? What if this was the year that you've seen God move in your life, life like you've never seen him move before? Some of you are in here and you, and you have a dream. God has placed a dream on your heart and you have sat on it because of the sacrifice it's going to take on your part. Every dream requires sacrifice. Every dream. Every dream will cost you something. You want to do something great for God, it will cost you something. And that's where we get hung up. Because many of us don't want to pay the price. You think that that sacrifice of Solomon wasn't expensive to him? You think that didn't cost him something? But he did the uncommon. But I want to tell you... It's worth it when you begin to see the miracles of God. Maybe this is the year that you quit talking about all of the miracles that other people are seeing and you start talking about your own. Because God is no respecter of persons. The same anointing that's on me is available to you. The same anointing is on other great men and women of God. It's available to you. Because God is no respecter of persons. But it's time to do something uncommon for God. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Sam, if you could come up at this time. Father, today I just want to thank you. Thank you for this message.
Holy Spirit, I believe right now you are moving in the lives of your people. I don't know where people are at in relation to this message today, but God, I do believe that there are people in here, God, that have sat on, they've sat on a dream, they've sat on a vision that you have given them. They've never moved forward because of the sacrifice it's going to take, and maybe this is the year they finally step forward and do, so, and do what is uncommon. Some of the greatest miracles that I've seen, God, have been the times that I've moved in the uncommon, when I've done the things that have scared me, when I've stepped forward without having all of the answers. It's uncommon. Stepping forward without the answers is uncommon. We like to have the answers. So God, today I just pray, wherever, each, wherever people are at today, Lord, Holy Spirit, that you would just speak right now. God, that you would just quicken, quicken something within each person of maybe what they could do that is uncommon, maybe something they've never done before. So they can hear those words, ask, what do you want? Tell me. Tell me, my child, what do you want? I thank you, God, for the miracles. In Jesus' name. I want you to keep your head bowed and your eyes.